All righty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And it's a weird time of the year, Wiz. You know, there's kind of like not much happening. We're kind of preparing for uh, the beginning of OTAs and uh, some of these workouts that we're going to see in training camps. Got a little bit to go. And, and you know, I'm just kind of curious when you're, when you're at this point in time of the season where there's not a lot of free agents left to go through, you know, what, what are you looking at at this point in time? Are you, are you kind of, because I know I'm kind of going back, looking at some depth charts, kind of rekindling myself that everything that's kind of happened. I'm curious what you're doing at this point in time. And uh, I'm sure the viewers want to hear that as well. And the listeners, I should say. And uh, I'll wish you hello, Wiz. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really just kind of like going back to last year and just kind of reviewing my notes and, and, and things that I was looking at last year as the season finished up. <clears throat> I'm also kind of like reviewing how I looked at things going into last season and what I was right about, what I was wrong about, uh, just just things that mattered and then a lot of noise, things that really at the end of the day didn't matter. So just trying to go over that from, from last year and uh, kind of like just doing that before I finally – turn the page um, heading into the 2022 season. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and kind of like in my early work right now, um, and look, there's so much that will happen, right, where players will get hurt, uh, opportunities will arise for different players. Uh, right now, what a depth chart looks like could look completely different, you know, three months from now, and, you know, the football season is is going to come on pretty quickly. I'd say I'd say one, one thing that's kind of interesting, especially for – guys like you and I who play in multiple leagues, and this kind of leans into, you know, uh, this podcast and, and what we're going to talk about, because we are going to talk about some of the things that we've learned, not, not just this past season, but, but kind of over the years. And I think one, one thing that kind of can get lost, and maybe it's not appreciated, because I do think, you know, people find themselves in, in multiple leagues like you and I do. And, and I think you really got to look at the differences and kind of how leagues operate. And, you know, understanding how owners behave, understanding, of course, the scoring systems in those leagues, and, and maybe some of the things that you did in the, in the previous seasons or previous season or seasons, maybe some adjustment made on that, you know, for the upcoming season. Maybe you will act a little bit differently with your free agent budgets. Maybe you'll treat defenses differently in a league, depending on how other owners do it. It's something that I'm paying a little bit more attention to this time around. I mean, you and I are in an established league with, with guys that you've been in this league for over 30 years. I've only been with you guys for about eight or nine now. Um, but I think that's very important to kind of take some inventory about what happens in your particular league or leagues, uh, because there are definite differences to how people conduct themselves, and of course, different scoring systems uh, that are in place, and different, and, and obviously different uh, position allocations, a whole whole bunch of different things, and 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 a totally different level of ownership from league to league. leagues is a keeper league where you can keep a player after you draft them for up to two years so that matters and you're always looking at what took place at the draft and what took place in free agency <clears throat> did you did a running back become a starter did a running back have a situation where the situation became more complicated did a wide receiver get a better quarterback thrown in the ball did he get a worse quarterback on the ball all of these different things uh, matter, uh, but even more so in a keeper league because you have to kind of make decisions 
even before the first game is played. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know we're kind of doing that right now. Where you, I'm probably every once every few weeks taking a look in in the keeper league that I'm in, you know, trying to determine you know what direction I go in and and, and how I kind of proceed. There's, there's obviously different strategies around that. Um, I, I will say this was you know w- one thing I feel that maybe is becoming uh, a, a little bit more popular in the leagues I'm in and, and it's something that I'm learning to grow accustomed to. It's not usually the way I go about doing things when it comes to owning defenses. Um, traditionally, I've kind of tried to latch on to a couple of defenses that maybe I think the schedules kind of work my way later in the season, um, try to balance out uh, a schedule between two defenses that I think match up well. Uh, but I've started to kind of backtrack a little bit on that strategy and, and, and almost kind of embrace this kind of streaming of defenses. Um, defense obviously is, is a lot different than it used to be 20 years ago in the NFL, the rules that defensive players are under. Uh, but I guess I'm coming around to a, a little bit more of this kind of streaming mentality as opposed to get two really good defenses at a draft and, and kind of hold on to them for an entire season. The scoring system matters, and you know the, the way the NFL is played now. It's just difficult for a team to have a dominant defense where they're keeping the other team to under 17 points a game. You know the days of the Giants of the mid 80s and the Bears of the mid 80s and the Ravens' great defenses with Ray Lewis and the Legion of Boom with the Seahawks. I mean really few and far between and the way they call penalties the way it's set up for offense and you combine that with really a scoring system in most leagues that you know once you get to a certain amount of points and yards you know the kind of defenses are blended together i think streaming defenses is probably uh, the way most people go about it and have you kind of changed because i think you and I may be a little bit similar in terms. We like to, we always like to have a couple of solid defenses. Or are you maybe kind of shifting your mindset a little bit in terms of not being as, I guess, as structured as maybe you would have thought so in the past? Yeah, I think I'm not really sweating it anymore. I think like if I get a defense that I want, I'm fine with it. If not, then I'm okay with hopping around and making preemptive defensive pickups two, three, four weeks in advance. If I have to do that for a matchup and kind of you know play that kind of game all all year long, because uh, you know it's just it's just difficult to to have a defense where you're just going to love the matchup week in week out i mean the days of having the new england patriots defense and you know you're going up against a terrible buffalo bill offense a terrible miami dolphins offense and a terrible jets offense are long over with those teams especially miami and buffalo can hang up 30 40 points on you every single time you play them so as the nfl and the rules have evolved you as a fantasy football gm have to as well, and that's the point that we try and get across. You trying to talk to Howie Z right now, uh, Wiz? Is that what you're trying to do? In terms of uh, the, what is he, he, doing? he loves that Patriots defense. Yeah, I know he he, he may like them, but you know they're <laughs> good. Good luck starting them. I mean, you know, you, you saw Buffalo get them that playoff game last year. I mean, it's gonna be more of that to come. I mean, the Miami's offense with Tyree Kill now, and yeah, it, it's just the NFL is just evolved and even the nfc the afc north 
where you'd feel great about the Ravens and the Steelers. I mean, those days are over. I mean, Cincinnati is an elite offense. The Browns have the Sean Watson and that great running game. I mean, I, I just feel like there isn't a defense where you go out and say, okay, um, I'm going to draft them three or four rounds earlier just to get them. I just think, um, you know, to what you said at the beginning, just to go full circle here, kind of streaming defenses is, uh, I think, the way to go. Yeah, and I, and I think um, I'll just kind of lean into my, my next point. And I've kind of come around to this view at the tight end position as well. Um, I think, you know, something that I've learned is, first of all, tight end's role in, 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 in a lot of these offenses is different. I think we're seeing way more teams playing 12 personnel with two and sometimes even three tight ends on the field at the same time, one in there to block, one in there to be a receiver. Um, to me, outside of like kind of the top five or six guys uh, on, on, on you know, preseason lists, outside of that, I don't think it really matters. And I think, I think you've got to determine you know, what your strategy is going to be at tight end because it's certainly going to be an impact on the, on the rest of your roster, whether you're in an auction league or a snake league. Um, if you're drafting a Travis Kelsey or you know, George Kittle, for example, as opposed to streaming tight ends uh, or, or trying to match up based on uh, you know, based on who they're playing in a particular week. But so the one thing I would say is I feel a tight end position has gotten way deeper. Um, you, you certainly have those type, those four or five elite guys, but you know, there isn't a lot of differentiation between kind of say the seventh or eighth guy and, and number 20 or 22 tight ends have become more prolific in offenses. And from week to week, there are certain times where, where one of those tight ends, even at that lower level are going to be able to carry your team in a particular week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of tight ends and defenses kind of kind of parallel, you know, to your point where you may have a handful of that you prefer, <clears throat> and then the rest, you know, are, are good, and you, you, you're not going to really worry about it. Look, if you're in a draft and you want to go out of your way to draft a, you know, Andrews or George Kittle or Travis Kelsey or Kyle Pitts or one of those guys, you're going to have to, you know, get them pretty early and you may have to give up another position. So it all, it all depends um, what your draft strategy is and how you're going to go about it. But certainly I think the one thing is that, you know, there was a time where you just felt like, okay, these two or three tight ends are going to be really difference makers and then the rest of the guys are just a whole lot of nothing. And I feel that's expanded to maybe five or six guys that are very, very good. And then a bunch of guys that on a week-to-week basis can pop into that tight end one grouping. So um, I definitely, you know, the, the tight end has expanded in terms of talent and, and fantasy football ability. Yeah, and you and I are obviously going to be talking a lot about that, you know, as we go through the preseason um you know we'll make some determinations there's there, there are a number of tight ends that have kind of moved around uh some guys have more opportunity you know i think we've talked already about uh albert ukubunum for example who's now by himself in denver at tight end and george uh, you know uh Noah Font is, is in Seattle. It remains to be seen who's going to be throwing him the football. You know, Dallas Goddard doesn't have uh, a player like, uh, uh, what's the guy? <laughs> I'm losing my mind here. Uh, Zach Ertz is no longer available. Uh, he's on Arizona at the moment. So, yeah, there, there's lots of moving parts. I, I just look at the tight end list, Wiz, and, you know, I look down the list and I feel like, 
I don't know. It, it looks like there's a lot more depth at the position than there's, than there's been in a long time. Uh, so I, I, the need to kind of get a tight end isn't quite the same as it maybe used to be. Yeah, or, you know, you, you just felt like if you didn't get one of those guys, then you didn't have to worry about it. And, you know, you just all the guys are not going to contribute much. I, I just feel like there's a there's a, a lot of talent and a lot of guys who are going to get opportunities and interesting players all over the board. So uh, certainly at least, you know, 12 to 15 names that uh, you think can be very productive this year. You know, it's interesting, Wiz. I, I've seen a couple of preseason lists where I don't I, – believe it or not, Travis Kelsey's been moved out of the top spot. I've actually seen on one list, believe it or not, that, that Kyle Pitts is being considered the number one tight end going into the year. I, I think people are looking at, you know, the, the Tyreek Hill situation um, and what that means for Kelsey, who's another year older, of course, as opposed to a guy like Pitts who's 21 years old and doesn't have as many options around him, even though uh, Atlanta did go for, for a receiver in this particular draft. We don't know what's going to happen. Well, obviously, Ridley's not going to play this year. The future remains to be seen. Um, then you got a player like Darren Waller, for example, who really didn't play at all in the second half of the year, and now Devontae Adams is on that team, and how are people going to think about that player? So I, they'll, there might be even be a lot of movement at the top uh, as far as tight ends in terms of, you know, there are certain leagues where guys may have preference for certain guys over others. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I know Mark Andrews really is a player that <clears throat> a lot of people like. I mean, just – they just think he's going to get so many targets and so many receptions. And somebody wanted to debate me, you know, or just make an argument that he is going to be right up there with Kelsey and Waller and Kittle, you know, I, and Pitts. You know, I wouldn't really um, dispute that. I, you know, I think I think a bunch of those guys um, are going to be good. It's just a matter of are they going to surpass Kelsey and and they're getting better, or is the fact that Kelsey's getting a little older and now with Tyreek Hill not there to take away a lot of attention from the defense, is he going to kind of come back? So I think it's an interesting dynamic. And, uh, you know, look, it, it's always interesting to see when somebody gets handed over and takes the mantle from somebody else at a, at a position. We've seen it over the years, and uh, we'll see if Calvis, uh, Travis Kelsey will be able to stave off the other tight ends for that tight end one spot. Yep, yep, yep. So how about you, Wiz? What are some of the things that you kind of looked at and learned from still trying to process, all that sort of thing? I think, I, I think I'm not going to really pay any attention to preseason football. Um, I mean, I'm only really going to be looking at injuries, you know, and, 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 and that type of thing because – I've just really studied what's taking place in preseason football, and I just feel it, it's not like it used to be. It used to be in the old days where, you know, the first two games of the preseason was guys just, you know, trying out who was going to make the roster, who was going to jump who, who was going to – it was kind of like for the coaches and the general manager to just kind of look at the players. And in the third game – the starters were going to get in there. They were going to play a half or whatever. And then the fourth game, those guys were benched, and maybe the final position battles were going to take place. I just feel there's no standard operating procedure anymore. It's very random. Every team goes about it in a different way. And I feel there's been a lot of deception that's taken place in the preseason. I didn't draft this player last year in any league. 
I know you were electrified by what you saw from him in the preseason, and this player shot up the board. Do you remember what was going on with Marquez Calloway last year in the preseason? Oh, yeah. Wild, yeah. I mean, he was he looked like Jerry Rice. I mean, <laughs> it looked like, you know, Winston and Callaway were just going to be, be unstoppable. And then when the season started, it was like one catch for 14 yards, two catches, 11 yards, no catches, uh, and, and, and just, you know, never really got anything going underway whatsoever. So I, I'm taking the preseason football with a grain of salt. If a guy looks great, if a guy looks bad, um, I'm not going to over-concern myself too much with that because I just feel defensively teams are playing very vanilla. They're not going to really show anything. And offensively, it doesn't. it's proven time and time again, these preseason superstars, it very, very rarely carries over into the season. So it's kind of uh, something that I, I learned over time in the, in the last couple of years is not to take – and get carried away with preseason football. No, I, I, but I do think one thing that I, you like to do and I like to do, and, and, and especially in this day and age where, um, and I, I do think this is important, uh, you know, and for his Twitter, and I think, I think the beat writers um, are, are quite good in terms of what they see on a day-to-day basis in, in practices. Uh, that's preseason practices, that is. And I think that actually... Uh, to me, still remains an important ingredient um, in in my thesis about players. Uh, do you still kind of believe in 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 that sort of thing? Is that getting a look at these guys day in and day out? Uh, you know, maybe where they, you know, type of plays that they're running during during workouts. Uh, I still think there's some relevance in, in, in that personally. Yeah, I mean, it, to to a certain um, extent. I think it could be more important than what takes place in in the games themselves. So I'm 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 with you on that. But like there's some of these B writers. I remember um, two years ago um, I had an interesting interaction with uh, the Indianapolis Colts B writer who said that you know even though Jonathan Taylor was a second round pick and he has a lot of potential, he he's just not gonna you know, be anything more than a handful of carries a game, and it's going to be Marlon Mack. I know Marlon Mack got hurt the first year, but if you have understand what type of player Marlon Mack is and was and what kind of potential Jonathan Taylor was, it didn't really – you didn't have to be a football expert to understand that Jonathan Taylor was going to overtake him and not take too long to do that. And um, so I, I think – you have to be careful and pick your spots about like certain guys are really, really tuned in and on top of it and some other writers. So I think just like anything else, you got to look and find and, and, and which guys are really patched into what's going on and which guys are not. And then when it comes to the coaches, there are some guys like if the first guy at the top of the list is Pete Carroll, where oh, he's a liar. you just can't believe Pete Carroll's a liar. You can't believe it. Yeah. You just can't believe anything he says. So if he, you know, says Kenneth Walker is going to be the clear starter day one, then I'm going to draft for Sharp Penny in every league. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, mean, I mean, the guy is just, yeah. So, you know, just, just that type of thing. So, um, so I, it, it's, to me, I agree with you. Find the, find the beat writers that are really patched in um, to what's going on with the teams and, and find out what's going on in practices and, and, uh, and, and, and what the team is doing 
uh, as opposed to what's taking place in those preseason games. Because we love watching them, and they're a lot of fun. They get so fired up for the season. But as we've seen time and time and time again, it's kind of deceiving and um, a little bit misleading as well. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I got to tell you, Wiz, you know, I just think one thing that's kind of come to my mind here in, in, in this, whatever, this post last season and pre this season and kind of just taking inventory. The NFL is at the quarterback position has kind of changed. It is changing before our eyes. We have a number of new players and a number of older guys that have kind of moved out of the league. We almost had Brady move out, but obviously Drew Brees is kind of gone. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning a few years ago, Eli Manning. There's been a big changing in the guard. And, and, and I will say when I look at, when I look at quarterback this year, um, and again, this is just, look, we have a change taking place right now, and I think people have to make a determination, and I think there's going to be a tremendous value at the quarterback position personally, uh, i.e. some guys that are ranked way too low right now versus some guys that are ranked way too high when I look at preseason rankings. But I think, you know, I have felt that kind of spending a lot of money, I thought at times over the last few years, was a worthy um, strategy in terms of quarterback, but I am also moving away from that direction I feel that there are some definite bargains to be had at the quarterback position, especially given the fact that it's a position that is uh, under renovation, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a a transformation. And, um, you know, when it comes to this stuff, you want to be, you know, you don't want to, your timing is so important. You know, you don't want to be a year late with a quarterback that, you know, is aging and then, I just remember what that last year with Peyton Banning looked like, and uh, it, it wasn't good. So it, it's going to be interesting to see where, like, the, the, especially the two veteran guys, Rodgers and Brady, <clears throat> where they go. I know in a lot of things um, that I've seen, they're still both in the top 10, 12, certainly. Um, but you, you just don't know when that, you, you know, the, the drop-off is going to start. You know it's going to happen. Uh, but you just look at him. Rodgers is the MVP of the league, and Brady led the league in passing and touchdowns. So, in passing yards and touchdowns. So, uh, you know, if you're basing it on recency, it's hard to believe that they're going to drop off so quickly. But in in fairness, right, there are changes that are taking place there, right? So you have a new coach in Tampa Bay. You have a couple of new offensive linemen. Uh, Goodwin, uh, Godwin is not going to start the season uh, at receiver. It doesn't look that way. And obviously in the case of Rodgers, uh, him getting used to some new receivers and, and not having Devontae Adams any longer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely transformations taking place in both those teams of Green Bay losing Adams. I'm so interested to see what takes place. I think it will be less of a drastic change in Tampa Bay. They still have Evans. I'm sure it'll be only a matter of time before Gronk says he's coming back. They got Russell Gage and Godwin will return. They have Leonard Fournette back as well. So a little bit more drastic in Green Bay without Adams to see what that looks like. But, uh, yeah, it's you know you still have those two great veteran quarterbacks against a lot of young elite quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, 
Justin Herbert. I mean, just just uh, you know, figuring, trying to figure out where those guys should be drafted is always always interesting. Yeah, and I think look, that that was a big reason. Like, if you look at the way you performed in your leagues last year, I think you took advantage of that quote unquote veteran discount with Tom Brady last year in a bunch of leagues, right? Where you 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 got him a bit cheaper than some of those kind of exciting young uh, quarterbacks that that everybody was uh, ogling. Uh, and, and it was a very successful – and I had Brady in a couple of leagues as well outside, and, and, and he had a phenomenal year. Uh, but that's kind of the thing I'm talking about. I, I think there will be some value to be had at quarterback again this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you just pick and, and choose your spots. And, uh, yeah, I drafted Brady in every league I was in last year, every, <clears throat> every single one. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I was just amazed how the discount, like you said, in price and auction drafts and in snake drafts, how late I was able to get him. And, um, you know, and I just love the fact that they had three, you know, when things didn't work out with Antonio Brown, but with Brown, Godwin, and Evans, talking about three potential top 15 receivers. Um, so I agree with that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what t- takes place this year in terms of uh, quarterback position. Yeah, and just I have one other thing to talk about, and you know, it kind of burned me last year, and I'm wondering if maybe I'm paying too much attention to it. But players coming off of injury, or players that are kind of deemed injury prone, and and the case was last year for a player where I could have kept for one dollar in a keeper league and Debo Samuel, but I was so frustrated by what transpired. Uh, the previous year with his constant injury due to a, uh, uh, a hamstring and him often on the field just way too frequently for my liking. And as a result of it, I kind of backed off of it. I, I'm just, I guess I'm questioning whether I'm paying too much attention to a player's past injury, or do you think it's maybe dependent on the type of injury that they are actually coming off of? I think the latter. Uh, I think if, you know, the soft tissue injuries, um, if a, if a player just seems to just not be able to stay on the field with these hamstring injuries and other type of injuries um, that just seem to occur and keep him off the field, I, I know we were at least three, four years ahead of everyone else with Julio Jones. Um, I mean, we were seeing that a mile away, and he was still being drafted as a top 10 receiver when he just wasn't able to make it through every game. And uh, you just knew it was just a matter of time before those injuries were going to cost him more downs, more series, more halves, more games, more weeks. And that's what kind of took place. And uh, I I don't think you should beat yourself up so much about that. I just think not all cases are the same certain injuries are difficult to come back from as well, um, how far they remove from the injury, that type of thing. But it's certainly something to certainly keep an eye on. And it can get very, very frustrating when you have a player that you think is talented and you spent a fair amount of equity on and he just can't stay on the field. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And I agree. We were, we were early on that bandwagon for certain. Uh, anything else on your mind, Wiz, in terms of you know learning learning curve when it comes to fantasy over the last few years? Yeah, I, I did. The, the the last point for me is what kind of, how how much of an art using your free agent money and free agent waiver wire and and your waiver wire pickups are during the year. It, it's a real art form. 
And you have to be pretty good with your timing of making preemptive strikes, being patient, knowing when to let a player go. And I'm just looking at the last couple of years and the difference makers. I mean, Elijah Mitchell ended up being a very, very important player in the leagues and certainly what he was doing with the 49ers, but he was drafted by nobody in zero amount of leagues. Then most of it got hurt. Trey Sermon was having problems staying on the field. And then it just looked like they just handed the keys to the kingdom, Elijah Mitchell. And then the year before that, uh, you know, maybe through three, four, five games of the year, nobody kind of had Justin Jefferson rostered. And now he's, you know, a top three fantasy football receiver. And I just feel... Same thing, with, uh, same thing with James Robinson a couple of years ago too, right? Yeah, James Robinson as well. Um and you just feel like <clears throat> the way you have to use your waiver wire pickups and, and, and depending how you leave does it, whether you're given a budget, there's a real art form to it. And you have to be able to be patient with your money in some, some instances and then not be afraid to really go for it. Because as we've seen over the last few years, there are some difference makers and guys who win leagues because of certain pickups and, uh, you know, Mitchell, Jefferson, Robinson, just a few to name that really were just outstanding that weren't rostered after drafts. Yeah, and I think and, and that kind of went into I, – I agree with you, by the way. Excellent point. And I think that goes part of understanding your league and the dynamics of your league and the dy- dynamics of the participants in your league. And, you know, you and I were partners in the league last year where – you know, and again, you have to save some dollars for the end. You don't know what happens, uh, you know, with weather late in the season, because uh, I've often talked about that, what that means for kickers and defenses, and it's an important ingredient. Um, I think so. So I think understanding how some of the players in your league, how aggressive they could potentially be, and and you may ha- it may take some time to actually kind of learn how, you know, how people bid on players, right? Like what what players are going for, how aggressive people are going to be. So I think it changes, um, but I but I do think it's it, there is an art form and a subtlety about it. And and to your point, sometimes you have to recognize that, and, and other times uh, and other times you kind of don't want to go for that flavor of the month because maybe maybe you do think it's still a passing fad. Maybe it's maybe it's just kind of Monday morning quarterbacking. Uh, we've seen that happen before too, where people jump the gun on a player who has one good week and doesn't show up again for three or four weeks going forward. So, uh, but I agree with you; it's important. Uh, but I think understanding the dynamics of your league uh, and the participants in your league are equally as important as the point that you're making. No, absolutely, and I'm saying there are instances where people are impatient, there, and they make they drop a player too early. There are times when they use them move money previously where they're spending a lot of money on just a player that played well the week before. Uh, and then there are other times where, you know, you really should be using 60, 70, 80% of your move money on a player that's going to be a fixture for the whole year. And, um, and all those things to come into play. And I like, like we've been saying, <clears throat> there's a real skill set to that. And, uh, that's one thing that I definitely have learned and kind of, um, watch for uh, as time has gone by in, in my fantasy football career. 
Yeah, very important, outstanding point, of course. So, uh, yeah, that's all. That's all I have, Wiz. Uh, you know, always good catching up about different things. And uh, you, you and I are not modest in terms of recognizing when mistakes are made or needing to evolve. And I think that's what we're trying to get across here. Right? Th- things change, and, and you have to kind of shift with that. No, one hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I think we just want to like kind of finish, you know, uh, wrapping up kind of last year and things we've learned and. You know, from here on in, I think we're just going to turn the page and uh, move ahead and look forward to 2022. And we're going to start uh, talking about the upcoming season. Sounds like a great plan, Wiz. So, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. You know, make sure you're subscri- uh, subscribing to the podcast and listening to us. Uh, Wiz, enjoy talking as well. Catch up with you again next week. A Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'll wish you a good weekend, Wiz. Happy Memorial Day. You do the same. Thank you.